Before we get into the sermon today, I want to speak to my Whitestone family, if I could. Uh, This last week, and actually last year, I guess as it goes, uh, this country went through a very difficult election. And it's an election that very much divided our country. Um, Americans on two very distinct sides. And we see it all around us. And I would be a fool to think that that division somehow didn't affect our Whitestone family. Um, I know it has. On social media, I see people showing their emotions on both sides of the divide. And I see some people who are gloating over the outcome, and I see others who are incredibly scared about the outcome, all within our Whitestone family. And so as your pastor, I want to speak to you, my family, right now, and I need for you to listen to me. Um, as a pastor of this family, I cannot tell you how much I value the unity that God has given us over the last many years. We have had incredible unity. But while I was in the mountains of Arizona a couple months ago, and I think I shared this with all of you before, I clearly felt that God warned me that the enemy was going to come after that unity. I felt like the enemy is going to try to pit us against each other, and, and he's going to use anything he can to do so. And so as I look at this election, here is a great opportunity for him to do that. And we are ripe for the picking. And so listen to me, Whitestone. I, I want to remind us of something. Um, rather than us focus on each other and attack each other, let's focus on the unseen realm and remember... Somebody just called me on my iPhone. <laughs> Let's remember what the Word of God tells us. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. It is against the powers and forces of darkness and spiritual force of darknesses in high places. It is Satan and his kingdom who we should be doing battle against, not each other. So please, please do not fall prey to the enemy's tactics and attack each other simply because we disagree with each other. No, let's love each other. And let's love each other extravagantly. And what I mean by that is, you know what? Anybody can love someone who agrees with them, but only followers of Jesus can love those who disagree with them. That's the hard stuff. But we can do that. And we will do that. Because that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Amen? In Whitestone, there's no doubt that we might be headed for troubled waters when it comes to the governing of this land. But listen to me, and really listen to me here on this. It is not the government of this land that is the answer for America. The government is not the answer. Government has never been the answer. If it was, guys, we would have seen Jesus in His day meeting with Caesar and discussing government issues and instituting government programs within the Roman Empire. But we didn't see that. We would have seen Jesus going out to lunch with Herod and, and trying to figure out how they could incorporate more civil rights within the Jewish community and, and whatever. But you don't see that. You see Jesus meeting with people, ministering to people, serving the people, healing the people, loving the people. Jesus was with the people. And why? Because He was the answer to the world's problems. Not the government. And guys, now as His body on this earth, as the body of Christ, now we are the answer to this world's problems. Not the government. We are. The church is the answer to America's problems. 
We are the answer to the problems in this Lake Country area. No government can fix these problems, but we serve a God who can. And as His body, we're to serve the people. We are to minister to the people. We are to heal the people. We are to love the people. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. And we're to be light in this dark world. And the more and more and more we live by faith, aware of our unseen God at work, and as we work with Him, He can and He will use us to change this world. So don't fear the people in Washington. You can pray for them, but don't fear them. Fear God. And pour yourself into extending His kingdom in the circles of influence that you have. And let's do it together as a family. Amen? Thank you guys for letting me say that this morning. I love you, and I love the unity we have. And so, let's fight for it. Let's fight for it. And don't let the enemy gain any ground. Alright guys, let's get to the sermon. Uh, we are winding down on this series we have this week and then two more Sundays and then we're going to be done with this portion of the faith series. And honestly, I think we could spend quite a bit more time exclusively on this you know, topic um, and maybe, who knows, in the new year maybe we'll get to do that, but we'll see. But for now, we need to address a certain part of our life that often gets put in the unspiritual part um, category that's you know, we classify it as, well, it really doesn't have anything to do with spiritual matters. Um, but hopefully today, we are going to see that that just simply is not true. And, and the topic we intend on focusing today is the topic of work. Okay? Working by faith. You see, what has unfortunately happened in America, especially in America, and I don't know when it all began, but we have put our life into categories. And we have, in a sense, structured our life in such a way that certain things have more importance than others. For instance, even you Packer fans, your great Vince Lombardi, he, he said this, he goes, there's God, then family, then the Green Bay Packers, in that order. And, and while that statement sounds good, it gives the impression that we're to give God a prime portion of our time, and then we're to give our family the next portion of that time, and then we give the Green Bay Packers the rest of that time. <laughs> it's sick that I have this on the screen behind me, but whatever. <laughs> there's God time, there's family time, there's football time, and each distinct from each other. And doing that, guys, has really defined the American life. For instance, in life we have the category of family time, and this is where we spend time with our family, raising our family, focusing on our family. Then we have our leisure time, and this is the time where we just do whatever in the world we want to do, and we just enjoy ourselves. And then we, you know, we have, um, well, we have our sleep time in there, where we have to sleep and, and give rest to our bodies. But then we have a little time in there, you know, for an hour each week, what we call our religious time, and it's our time where we get to do little religious activities. And we have that time. But there's another time in our life, another category in each of our lives, that if we're going to be honest, takes up a huge amount of our awake time. And that's what? Our work. Exactly. 
But do you see what I pointed out here? We, we have these categories and we have sectioned our life into these categories in such a way where, okay, we have our little rest time, we wake up and we have this huge amount of time where we focus on our work and then we come back, we have a little family time, we focus on that, then we might have a little time of leisure time in there and then we go back to our rest time and then we get up in the morning, we focus on this category and we have that and that happens all week. Then we have the weekend and it looks different for each of us. But what's interesting is that we as Americans have reserved the issue of faith for just one category. And guess what that is? Our little religious activity time. And that's for one hour, maybe two hours on a Sunday morning where we drive on our way to church or to our small group and we put our faith hat on and we do our religious activities that we do and then we go home and on our way home we take our faith hat off and we go about the other categories in our life. And nowhere do we do that more than in the category of work. It is common practice for us to go to work completely checked out of faith. In other words, we show up to work, we don't pay one bit of attention to the unseen reality of God and what He's doing. We just go about our business doing what we've always done in our own effort. And so much so do we do that that we have actually separated the working world from what we call the religious world. The, the working you know, work and the religious work. For instance, if we have a job in the real world, what do we call it? We have a secular job, okay? Um, that means it has nothing to do with faith. But when someone is a missionary or a pastor or works at a Christian camp or whatever, a priest, they're said to be in full-time Christian service, or we call it the ministry. Luke has joined the ministry. And what that means is that Luke no longer works a secular job. He is in full-time Christian work. Well, Whitestone, this morning, I, I want to, to the best of my ability, to eradicate that kind of thinking if I can. And I simply want to say that each and every single one of us should be involved in full-time Christian ministry. Every follower of Jesus Christ should consider, consider himself or herself involved in ministry or full-time Christian work. Now, why would I say that? Why would I blur those lines that have been laid down so vividly over the years? Here's why. When it comes to living a life of faith, the follower of Jesus Christ must understand that his or her faith goes with them into whatever category of life they are involved in. That even means in the activity that consumes most of your life, which is work. While you are at work, you are to be living by faith. The pastor must be living a life of faith as well as the salesman should be living a life of faith. If both are living by faith, then both are in full-time Christian work. It just looks different. They just are involved in a different role. But faith is meant to be lived out completely through both lives. Let me explain it like this, and let's kind of look at it from a, a, an opposite point of view. Everybody thinks that being a pastor is such a, a godly, holy, righteous job. He's a man of the cloth. not even sure what that means. <laughs> he's a man in the ministry, and he's doing the Lord's work. But let me tell you something. 
A pastor can live out a life doing what a pastor does without ever doing it by faith. pastor can do that if he chooses to. He can counsel. He can teach. He can preach without ever paying attention to the reality of our unseen God and what He's doing. If He wants to, He can choose to do everything in His own power. A pastor can do that just as easily as a salesman working in a so-called secular job. Guys, listen to me here. What you do in life isn't what, def- isn't what defines whether you're involved in ministry or not. It's how you live. I'm going to say that again. What you do in your life isn't what defines whether you're in ministry or not. It's how you live. If you're living by faith, you can be a lifeguard and be in full-time Christian ministry. You can be a policeman. You can be a teacher. You can be a milkman. You can be retired and still be in full-time Christian ministry. Living a life of faith is what will define whether you are ministering or not. So guys, remember, faith is to be part of every component of our life especially our workplace. Why? Because it consumes most of our time. No matter what and where it is. Let me show you a verse that will rock your world. Turn your Bibles to Romans 14.23. Romans 14.23. I realize I'm taking this verse slightly out of context, but the truth it communicates absolutely applies to what we're talking about today. And I'm just going to read the very end of that verse, but here it is. Romans 14.23. Everything that does not come from faith is what? Sin. Whoa. That is a crazy verse. Ponder that. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Now let's unpack that. First of all, we need to know what sin is. Sin, at its most basic definition, is this. It means to miss the mark. Okay. So if if this is God, and this is God in all of His holiness, and this is how we're called to live, we're called to live and look like God, then sin falls way short of that. It misses the mark. It falls short of the glory of God. And everything that does not come from faith misses that mark. Everything that does not come, let's plug in our definition here, everything that does not come from believing in the unseen reality of God and what He is doing is sin. In other words, if you choose to live your life completely free or unaware of God's unseen presence with you and you just live out doing what you want to do in your own power rather than what God wants you to do by His power, you will be missing the mark. You will be sinning. Only by paying attention to our unseen God's presence and knowing that He's at work around us, always in communication with Him, talking to Him, listening to Him, doing what He wants us to do. Only when we're doing all of that will we be living out the lives that Jesus calls us to live. We'll be living by faith. Which means we should be working by faith. Does that make sense? So how does that even work? How am I to be working by faith? Well, let's try to address it in a simple, hands-on, 
practical way. First off, I think one of the most important places we can start in working by faith is that knowing that our unseen God is with us. And I realize, this is Luke, that is so basic. We've talked about this before. I get it. I know. It is very basic. But it's so true. Remember, faith is believing in the unseen reality of God and in what He's doing. We can't see God, but people who live by faith know that He's with us and He is with us and He's at work with us and he wants us to be at work with him and guys that applies to our workplace just as it much as it does to every other category of our life god wants to be at work in your workplace and he wants to be working with you and he wants you to be working with him that's an absolutely important part of working by faith now listen to me here when you choose to work like this to work in your workplace aware of God's presence with you, knowing that He's working with you and you're to be working with Him, when you choose to work like this, let me tell you, this is going to have huge impact. Your work is going to be blessed. When the Lord is with you and you're doing what He's asking you to do, trust me, your work's going to be blessed. Whenever I think of this, I think of the guy Joseph in the Bible, the Old Testament. Joseph was an incredible man. As a young boy, his brothers hated him. They threw him into a pit and then ended up selling him into slavery. But Joseph loved the Lord and he followed the Lord and he always tried to live aware of God's presence with him. Well, Joseph eventually got sold to a captain of the guard. His name was Potiphar. And he sold into slavery as a young boy. But you know what? Joseph went into that with, okay, God, you're with me. And he lived that way. So much so, look at what it says here in Genesis 39. It says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him. Notice that the, the unbeliever, the pagan Egyptian leader, saw that the Lord was with him. You know what that means? That means that Joseph's life was living out a supernatural life. And the guy goes, wow, the Lord is with you. And that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. So Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. And if you keep following Joseph, I mean, he keeps following the Lord. He ends up being number two in all of Egypt. Second to the Pharaoh. Whitestone, look at me. Listen to me. When, when you go to work tomorrow, do not lose sight of the fact that God is with you in your workplace, in your office. He's with you in that assembly line. He's with you in that conference meeting. And He's at work with you, and you're to be at work with Him. I'd recommend that you put little sticky notes around your office or on your desk or on your little you know, books that you carry with you to remind you that God is with you. Put little visual reminders up. You know, the other day I was at Terry and Kathy Andrus' house and I was walking out their back door and here, it's taped to the door, it says, remember to ask the Holy Spirit. And it called me up short. And I went, whoa, that's awesome. As I'm stepping out the door, I need to be aware and asking the Lord, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Come up with creative ways to teach your brain to always be aware of God's presence. Ask God to show you some creative ways. He wants you to be aware of His presence. You know, when I was up in the mountains, I think I shared this with you. The first day I was there, this little butterfly came flying by. 
And I felt like the Lord says, Luke, every time you see that type of butterfly, let it be a reminder that I'm with you. I saw those little suckers everywhere. And by the end of the week, man, my brain was trained to always be aware of His presence with me. It was awesome. We can do that here. He's with you and He wants to do your job with you. And remember, I don't know if we often think about this, but remember, Jesus could do your job. I know that sounds crazy. Because I know when we think of Jesus, we think, well, Jesus could only be like a missionary or a pastor. He could only preach sermons on the mountains. He could only make disciples. He really couldn't do a real job. No, Jesus could do a real job. Remember, He was a carpenter. He was probably a really good one. The truth is, Jesus could do any of our jobs and He could do it perfectly. Now, why is that important to consider? Here's why. Knowing that Jesus could do your job perfectly will help you come to Him for advice in doing your job. Guys, here's the deal. I know when we think of talking to Jesus throughout our jobs, we tend to only think about asking Him about how should I love my coworker, or how should I treat my boss, or how should I do things ethically here? And, and you know what? That is true. That, that's a good thing. We should be doing that with God. But He also wants to help you in your job. He, he wants to assist you in doing your job well. Like I said, He could do your job perfectly. So ask Him how to do it. it. It's kind of like me working on my car. I am not a mechanic. And I don't profess to be. I, I stink at mechanics. Um, but, you know, I don't have the money to pay for a mechanic. All my money goes to food because I have teenagers. And so, <laughs> my dad is a really good mechanic. And so, when I ever have work to do on my, any of my vehicles, I will instantly get my phone. I'll either wear my earphones or I'll put my phone on speaker. And I'm like, Dad, I have to change the fuel pump. I don't even know where it is. And he's like, well, Luke, it's in your fuel tank. You're going to have to lower the fuel tank. And I'm like, great, how do I do that? Well, Luke, there's some straps there. You've got to loosen and undo it. And he talks me through it because he knows what he's doing. Guys, if you know that Jesus could do your job perfectly, then you will be coming to him all the time asking him how to do it and how to do it better. There, there have been many times, and guys, I should be doing this all the time. I, I'm training for it, but I'm not there yet. But, but sometimes I will ask Jesus this question. I'll say, Jesus, if you were the lead pastor of Whitestone, what would you do in this situation? What sermon series would you preach? How would you answer this question? And in doing so, Jesus has shown me things that I would have never thought of. And they have been incredible. And of course they're incredible. He knows what He's talking about. If He were doing my job, He'd be the best at it. So of course He knows what to do. And like I said, Jesus could do any one of your jobs and He could do it perfectly. And He wants to, to help us in it. If you're a, a policeman, Jesus could help you in a loving way protect and serve our communities. If you are a judge, Jesus could help you in a loving way fight for justice. If you're a politician, Jesus could show you how to, to govern effectively in a loving way that would truly help people. If you're a scientist, Jesus could help you unravel the mysteries of science 
You know, when I think about that, I always think of George Washington Carver. Has anybody ever heard of him? Incredible guy. I encourage you to read his biography if you ever get a chance. But incredible guy, godly man. He was born into slavery in Missouri in 1864. Just an incredibly brilliant man too, but he loved Jesus. He loved the Lord. And he was always working with the Lord. He was working by faith. And you know, every morning at 4 o'clock, he would go... He, he was a scientist, by the way. He, he was a brilliant scientist. And every morning at 4 o'clock, he would go off into the woods and he would spend time asking God scientific questions. And, and one day, he, he speaks of this, one day, he was like, God, why did you create the universe? And God said, George, that's too big of a question for you to ask. You can't handle that answer. And he goes, okay. He goes, well, then why did you create me? And God said, George, that's still too big of a question for you. Ask me a smaller question. So George has his hands in his pocket and he felt a, l a little peanut in his pocket and he pulled it out and he goes, God, why did you make the peanut? And God goes, George, now that's a question you can handle. And he answered, he said, George, separate the peanut into water, fats, oils, gums, resins, sugars, starches, and amino acids. Then recombine these under my three laws of compatibility, temperature, and pressure. Then the Lord said to him, then you will know why I made the peanut. And so George left that little thing and he started plugging into it, doing exactly what God told him to do. And the outcome was incredible. We'll talk about that in a second. But here's the point. George was asking God how to do his job. And God answered. Pretty specifically, I might add. Guys, another important aspect about working by faith is that you no longer work for the people who are watching. You're working for your unseen Lord. You see, here's the deal. Part of living this subhuman life in this fallen world is that we tend to focus more on the seen world than we do the unseen world. And we've been talking about this for months. We live paying more attention to the people that we can see than the God who we can't see. And in doing so, we live our lives for the eyes of men. In other words, we live and we act and work for others to see. When we know others are watching us, we act a certain way. And when we know that they aren't watching us, we act a completely different way. That's why when people are watching us, we act like we're perfect, amazing human beings. But when we aren't being watched, we end up doing things that are horrible. We will sin against God and do horrible things when we think nobody is watching or we won't ever get caught. And guys, when it comes to work, we do very similar things. And guys, that kind of action is not living by faith. It is not working by faith. Let me show you this in Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do. And how much that we do? Whatever you do, work at it with how much of your heart? All of your heart as working for your unseen Lord, not for men who you can see. Your boss may be the one who tells you what to do, and he may be the one who writes your paycheck, but you are ultimately not working for him. You're working for the Lord. And that's so important to keep in mind because guess what? The Lord is always watching you. Your boss isn't. 
The eyes of the Lord are ever upon you, watching you. The eyes of your boss aren't always watching you. And that's important because we do have a tendency to act differently when our boss is watching. We tend to be, you know, when the boss is watching, we're working and we're digging the ditch and we're doing an amazing job. As soon as he's, you know, leaves the work job, anybody, what's up? Yeah, no, playing a little whatever and whatever. As soon as we see his truck coming back, you know, we get back to work. We live for the eyes of men. You know, the other day I was at Quiznos, and the owner of Quiznos was there, and I happened to look up the scene and I saw a webcam. And I'm like, it's a little crazy. I said, why, why do you have a webcam here? She says, oh, it's so that I can watch my workers from home. I'm like, really? She says, yeah, I can sit and pull up my computer and I can watch to see if they're working. And if they're not working, I can call them up and say, hey, Tommy, get to work. And they know that I'm always watching. And they know when I'm watching, they're working. I'm like, you know, that's, that's awesome, but it's very sad. Because we live for the eyes of men. But guys, if you realize that God is always with you and you're working for Him, you will always be working and you will always be working hard because you're working for the Lord. You're doing His will if you do that. Ephesians 6.6 6 says, Obey them, your boss, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Now here's something important to consider. And this is tying into our last week's sermon. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and therefore part of the body of Christ, and therefore God's activity is flowing through you, His body, then that means your company, wherever you work, God intends on using you to extend His kingdom there. You are His hands and His feet in that company. And He wants to use you to flow His activity through that company. And each of us should see ourselves in that manner. Does that make sense? That's how He wants to work. Now, here's why that's important. When we allow ourselves to be used by God in our workplaces, He then is able to use our workplace to expand His activity. We're in a sense being used to extend His kingdom on earth as it would be in heaven through our company. And when we allow Him to do that through us, the ripple effects of that can be huge. Allowing God's activity to flow through you at your workplace can have huge ripple effects. Let's go back to George Washington Carver. And I told you he went back to his little workshop and he began to study the peanut and pour himself into that. And within 10 days, George Washington Carver had discovered more than 300 uses for the peanut. One question asking God what he should do, and God answered it in an amazing way. So much so, and I'm not dealing with the specifics here, there was some about crop rotation and all that sort of stuff, but God used George Washington Carver to enhance race relations at that time because there's no way a black man should have been coming up with this, but God gave it to him. God was using George. And it improved race relations at that time, but it also fundamentally changed the agricultural industry as we know it today. All because George asked God a question. The ripple effects of that were huge. Whitestone, here's the deal. Yes, most of us have a job that consumes most of our time. Most of us may have what we call a secular job. Only because it's not at a church or something like that. 
But remember, all of us are in full-time Christian ministry. And why can I say that? Because we are to be full-time living by faith. Amen? All the time, aware of our unseen God who is at work around us and who is wanting us to be at work with Him. All the time. Well, at work, at home, at play, at leisure, whatever. Always living lives of faith. That's what we're called to do. So when you go to work tomorrow, Whitestone, remember to work by faith. Don't do things on your own effort anymore. Train for that. That's how we're called to work. Here's your homework. When you go to work this week, and guys, I don't care what your work is, you may be a stay-at-home mom. Trust me, you have to go to work tomorrow. And that's hard work. Put up visual reminders that God is with you in your workplace. It doesn't have to be, God is here. But it can be something like, just a sticky note of something, saying something, just to trigger your brain to go, oh yeah, God is here in this room. God is here. I'm working for Him. I'm doing this for Him. What should I be doing here? Put up visual reminders. And purposely ask Him how to do something at work that you don't know how to do. Chances are you're going to come across something where it's like, man, I don't know what to do. I was talking to someone this morning who's in a job interview, and he's like, I'm not sure how to answer these questions. Ask God. He'll show you. And then ask Him, if He were doing your job, how would He do certain things that you already do? How would He do it better? And listen to Him. See how He improves your work, and what you do. And then do what He tells you to do. Allow His will to be done and His kingdom to come in your workplace, in your kingdom, as it would be in heaven. Be His body in your company. Amen? Okay, guys, apply that homework. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for my Whitestone family. God, I just I love them so much. And I know You love them far more. And God, You have such huge plans for every single one of us in this room. And God, tomorrow we will go to all our very unique places of work, our circles of influence, and You intend on using us to be Your body there, to flow Your activity into those places. I pray that we might be aware of Your unseen presence all the time. And may we do what You tell us to do. And I ask this in the power and the name of Jesus.